0: Well, Patty, uh, I'm excited. I'm actually the special guest on today's podcast episode. I'm excited because I get to be the interviewer completely. (laughs) Yeah, right? So this is great. So we both get to do something we want to do today. And so that'll be fun. So today, of course, I'm talking about um, pricing and understanding credit card processing statements, statement analysis services, and just kind of where we stand as an industry right now in terms of our pricing strategies. Um, So hopefully they'll get some good information out of that. And then uh, tell us about the Insiders Report. Uh, The insider's report is on uh, merchant services satisfaction um, among small, small businesses. It's an interesting exercise. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I think they'll be surprised by some of the numbers there. Um, In the questions from the field, um, I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. I have a free download for you. Um, And so (laughs) uh, the topic I'm covering is so complicated uh, that I decided to type up a little ebook to really explain it and give some examples. Um, And so I've got the link there, so make sure you listen all the way through. When you get to the questions from the field, I give you a link. You can download it. But we're talking about cash discounting and surcharging and how sales tax can really throw a monkey wrench in there if you mm-hmm. don't understand how it works
1: yeah very very informative I had to admit I, my head was spinning a little bit but I I, I grasped <laughs> most of it and I think it's there's some really important distinctions there people need to
2: understand
0: awesome well with all that said Patty let's dive in
2: welcome to the merchant sales podcast welcome everybody
1: to the merchant sales podcast uh today i am going to interview james um you know james and i have both been in this business a long time i will have to say i've probably been watching it longer than he has but (laughs) you know he's been feed on the street and in addition to being feed on the street he has a lot of other tools in his uh toolkit including uh training and his uh Uh, software products. And I thought, you know, we really wanted to dive in because James is passionate about this business and he's passionate about pricing and and how do we, you know, how do we elaborate on our pricing and how do we explain it and how do we sell it? So I wanted to start off, James, if you don't mind, with a a question that I've had for a while now, and that is about um, padding. (laughs) You know, um sure. I, I, I interviewed a guy not long ago for the green sheet who was telling me about his whole business is going through statements and seeing where, where, where the statements are being padded. You know, we know that it can be padded on interchange, you know, there's different card brand fees and processor fees that are always being padded. And right. most merchants don't understand this. They just right. pay what they pay, right? Yep. So- would you mind talking to that? How bad of a
0: problem is that?
1: And and and
0: and how are some
1: innovators uh,
0: addressing this? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, first of all, I'm excited to talk about pricing today. Um, obviously, our uh, ISO amp tool is something that currently consumes uh, a lot of your time. Of my time, probably. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun, um, but it's, it's very challenging. And, and one of the real challenging things, as you point out, uh, Patty, is, is padding. So let's make sure our audience, I guess, would understand this concept. So, sure. you know, there are certain costs in our industry that are what we would call a pass-through cost. Right. So the idea is, you know, interchange is generally the same for every processor. We have the same interchange costs. We have the same dues and assessments. We have the same American Express OptiBlue costs. We have the same pin debit network fees. Mm-hmm. These are all pass-through costs. Right. But what many processors have been doing the last five or six years especially is when they put those on the statement, they represent it like it's been passed through. Mm-hmm. But they jack the rate up. Right. So, you know, Patty, the, the interesting thing about it is, uh, you know, as a capitalist, as a greedy capitalist looking at this, right, um, right. you know, it's a it was a really a fantastic strategy the last five or six years because your competitors are never going to realize it. Sure. You know, so we see statements all the time that'll have um, 30 basis points of markup over interchange hidden mm-hmm. within the interchange. So, you know, right. rather than, you know, a business card being 2%, it'll be 2.3%. Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. but then in the fee section, they're at you know five cents and five basis points. So when right. the competitor gets that, they look at it and say, "Well, I can't do anything with this. There's only five basis points and five cents mm-hmm. because they don't recognize that the interchange table is marked up. Um, we see this with um, you know card brand fees, like especially with the uh, dues and assessments. Um, right, we see it there. We see it in the American Express Opt Blue. So I bet I, you that's
1: a big place. That's what I've heard. That that's a particularly big yes. place where it's being seen, right? It is very much and, and America expresses the that. higher priced anyway, so it, it becomes even yeah. yes.
0: And people are not as familiar with it, so they don't catch it as much. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the big uh, shifts that we're going to see over the next few years with tools like ISO AMP and others out there that are using AI and machine learning to you know you literally just drop a statement in there, you upload a statement from your phone or from your your you know computer, well our AI is going to know what that interchange is. So when we see that name right. and we know it's with world payer thesis or whoever, we are going to match that up with the true interchange table. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. already are going to know what that is. And so if, you know, if we know the true interchange cost is 2%, but you have it at you know 2.3%, right. our system is going to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to show that as potential savings on that proposal. Right. Thus giving, you know, the agent a a leg up to compete with your company if you're using the padding. So again, I think, you know, uh, you could have a whole debate about a moral, you know, is it a moral imperative? Should you do this? Should you not? But I think the, the key for me now is it's just no longer a good idea because now not only uh, is that going to be caught? And I right. do are, are, you know, is your competitor going to be able to offer the savings? But it's going to make you look really look bad. Look bad. Yeah. Yeah, you know, by exactly. Saying, hey, look what they did. They were tricking you. Look at, they said it was this much. Mm-hmm, Here it is mm-hmm. on the table. It's really not. And so like we, I was telling you uh, before that we started recording, right now, today, we're building a proposal template for one of our clients where they wanted a full side-by-side. Patty, they actually wanted every single interchange line item on its own row Oh wow, what they're currently paying and what they will be paying to really make it super crystal clear of here's where the padding is and stuff because mm-hmm. it's just so prevalent. So to answer your question, how big of a problem is it? Right now, about 20 to 25 percent of all the statements that we get, um, we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of statements a week, right and about 20 to 25 percent of all those statements um, has some type of padding. Um all wow. statement. and again so that is pretty it's prevalent people it's very prevalent and again it's something that's very difficult for a human even somebody that really knows statements you right. know, you might know statements but do you have the interchange table memorized well that's that's, that's the thing level <laughs> yeah exactly
1: and i've always said that about it. it's like you know if you have you know if you're really tired if you can't go to sleep at night just pull out an interchange table right. <laughs> you know? right. but but you know i remember people you know used to sit at bars and you know Hey, you know, let, you know, having a drink. Hey, let me take a look at your statement, you know, while, while I'm here, you know, and jotting down things, you know. And they would have a lot of that information in their head, right. but as, as it gets so com- complex, right, right. Well, well, let let's segue if you don't mind, because I, I, you know, it strikes me then that, you know, with the with this laser point focus on things like padding, right. um, it becomes a little bit harder for some merchant services providers to make money, right? I mean, sure. they're being, you know, their best tool is being exposed, shall we say. Right. Um, so, you know, how can they make money without hurting attrition? I mean, you know, what are, the, what are some of the things that they can do
0: yeah. Yeah. to and
1: drive I, revenues?
0: Yeah, and you know, what we're seeing more and more is on the statements, we're starting to see these fees that are on there that are more geared towards technology. Uh huh. Right? Okay. So value added services. So right. We'll see things on there like a marketing fee or we'll see things like, uh, you know, a, a, for their point of sale system, a software fee mm-hmm. or, you know, a rental fee on some you know, type of equipment. So those are things that become very challenging for your competitors to work against because they can go in and say, well, we wouldn't charge you that fee. But then right. they're also going to have to say, and we wouldn't allow you to use that technology. That's the key, right? I mean,
1: you almost become wed to that technology and, and, right? right? So
0: Well, and I think the other thing too, Patty, is there's, there's really a, a, a misconception in the industry right now that is so prevalent. It's, it's, it's confusing to me. And it's this misconception that margins just keep being compressed right and rates keep going down look i'm here to tell you i've looked at thousands of statements our ai has analyzed thousands of statements that's not true right right just not i mean most merchants that are on interchange plus pricing have 80 90 basis points of markup right like when you add in the basis points the transaction fees the monthly fees you know when you look at all of it together the margins are still there. I mean, right. it, it's not like, you know, so this idea that well, we we got to like pad everything to be able to make any money, you really don't I, like it, the money is still there to be had. And so we're getting a lot of really good data. It's one of the things I love about this business that I didn't even think of going into it is how much data we would have, you know, like, right. I know what everybody charges. I know exactly what everybody charges. Mm -hmm. I've seen, you know, 80 of their statements. And so, you know, our AI has that in the, you know, in the system. And when I I look at it, I'm always like, yeah, I mean, everybody's making a lot of money in this business. It's not like the rates are really, really low. And again, sometimes they're making it with padding. And sometimes they're making it without padding. And they're just actually showing the rates. But in either case, in my experience so far, merchants are paying about the same either way. Well, and that's interesting because, you know, I hear from, from
1: isos i mean i have been for years you know the the race to the bottom they call it you know the race to the bottom in terms of pricing and i say to myself but you guys are still
0: making a lot of money well you know and some of it might be it it is a race to the bottom meaning when i go in to make a sale Mm -hmm. i have to give them a lower rate right right but everybody does regular price increases exactly so you go in and you're giving them a lower rate, but then over that they stay with you for three to five years. They experience, you know, during that time, six pricing actions mm-hmm. and they're by the time they leave, they're right back where they were when they started. So, again, this particular podcast episode is not about the moral imperatives of pricing. I'm just saying that's what's happening in the industry.
1: Yeah. And then, and, 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 in addition to that, we have more and more transactions
0: coming through, right? I mean, exactly. So you're making more money because yeah, we're yeah. spending more money. Sure. So I would say, you know, if you looked at, you know, over the last 10 years have margins gone down. Yes. Have they gone down by 70%? No, they've probably no. gone down by 25% maybe. Um, they're, they're a little lower, but it's a very, it's been a slow decline. Mm-hmm. And and of course now you throw cash discounting into the mix with a lot of processors are doing and it's, it's actually right. up again. So, you know.
1: Well, that's actually, let's, let's talk about that because I wanted to I wanted to kind of hone in on cash discounting and surcharging. Sure. Um, You know, it seems to me, you know, that these are clearly a new wave, but they're not. They haven't necessarily taken the industry by storm. But right. you know, how does that fit into the to the whole pricing scenario? And you know, um, you know, is it even necessary? I mean, you know, how right. necessary are these things? I mean, I remember you and I talking at one point where you suggested that a lot of larger merchants aren't really keen on. Cash discounting, for example, right? Um, so it seems to me that there's markets for cash discounting and there's markets for surcharging. Can you kind of, um, you know, enlighten us on how how that fits into the whole pricing and profitability scenario?
0: Sure. So yeah, so obviously, no secret that you know cash discounting and surcharging are are very profitable. Um, you know, have very high margins. But I do, I think this is a good opportunity to talk about that because when we talk about statement analysis. You know how does that even fit? And a lot of the clients that we deal with, they sell almost exclusively cash discounting, or at least that's what they lead with. Mm -hmm. So a couple couple of things I'd point out here that I think are really important to understand. Number one, when we're talking about cash discounting, it's very important to understand that merchants still want to get something in writing that looks professional Mm -hmm. that guarantees them what they're going to get. So Sure. You coming in and saying I'm gonna wipe out your processing fees. Well, this is why we have our quick tool as well that goes into ISO Amp. Now we rebranded ISO Amp, you know, about a year and a half ago, and mm-hmm. we have the instant tool still built into that. Right. So yeah, maybe you don't need a statement to sell a $10,000 a month merchant on cash discounting, mm-hmm. but what you do need is you do need to ask them and say, how much you do in processing? They say twelve thousand. Okay. How much do you pay in total fees? We pay 360, okay? And then that's all you need in our tool. And then mm-hmm. we do the rest, but you pick cash discounting as your pricing template and you can show them in writing, well, I can save you this amount of money, you know, including cool. any monthly fees you have. So I think you need something in writing. Secondly, I think we have to remember that the sales process around cash discounting and surcharging, that sales process is still in a big way married to traditional processing. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. It's not like the merchant is just saying, yes, please sign me up for that. That sounds great. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Usually the conversation is, well, what are my options? Mm-hmm. You know, right? So that's where we want to get a statement and we put the statement in the system and then we can show them, here's what it would be with traditional mm-hmm. and then here's what it would be with cash discounting, which do you want? Again, as a perfect example, we were just working on this template for one of our larger clients. What they want to do is they wanted to make sure that they had a cash discount um, estimated savings on every proposal, even if it's traditional. Oh, wow. Ooh. So, right on the cover page, we created that for them. So, it says your annual savings for traditional is X. Your cash discount projected savings would be X. So, that way, their reps, even when they're pitching traditional, a lot of times that merchant might say, what's this cash discounting thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, I think I think those things are all important. Now, surcharging, when it comes to statement analysis, this is where it gets interesting to me. Unlike cash discounting, where you can sell cash discounting without getting the statement, especially on a smaller merchant. Sure, sure. If you try to sell compliant surcharging, meaning you're only allowed to apply that surcharge to non-debit, non-prepaid mm-hmm. transactions. Right. If you try to do that without using a statement analysis service, I promise you, you are giving completely inaccurate proposals to your merchants. Oh, I would imagine, right? Because you know, what are you even showing them? What are you guessing? You're saying 20% uh-huh. of your volume is debit. Like, you don't even know. You have
1: no idea because, no. I mean, the merchant has no idea half the time. Right. What they're accepting. So,
0: so you know, and the, the problem with this is, you know, keep in mind, the reason surcharging is more profitable than traditional, you know, processing mm-hmm. is that the rates are higher. Right. So, you are offsetting a big portion of those rates with the money that's collected from the consumer. But if your reps are out there just saying, hey, we'll do surcharging, we can probably save you 40%. Well, that's a really bad idea because number one, they might be saving them 80%. Do you really want to save 40 when it's 80? Mm -hmm. And secondly, they might be actually costing them more money. (laughs) So I had a client uh, not too long ago. They sent us a statement. We did an analysis on it, had an interchange table. So we were able to send back a penny-to-the-penny surcharge savings analysis versus what they were having now, which was Interchange Plus. And the client called and said, hey, your tool's messed up. I said, no, that's not the problem. They said, you're showing that that surcharging is going to cost them more money than Interchange Plus. I said, that's because it is. Right. They said, how is that possible? I said, well, right now they're doing 80% debit. Mm Mm-hmm and you're going to charge them i think in this case it was like 1% and 25 cents on debit and i said they're currently paying regulated debit fees on interchange plus
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you're only 20% on credit so you're only collecting money on the 20% so yeah you're you're eliminating their credit card processing fees but you're charging them triple on their pande- on their debit on their signature debit transactions and i would think
1: that there's certain sectors or certain verticals where and eighty percent debit
0: volume is not unheard of, right? No, I mean not at all absolutely. I mean, sixty percent in, you know quick service is is standard and you know right? and, and grocery stores it would strike
1: me. I mean, I see a lot of debit in grocery stores, right?
0: right. and and you know, again, that's a great example because grocery stores have their own interchange table mm-hmm. and it's very mm-hmm. low. Um, right. So you come in there with your flat rate on debit, you know, you may not save them any money. you might cost them more money. So the idea and, and again, most people that are selling compliance surcharging, generally speaking, they are going after the larger merchant accounts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Smaller ones generally like cash discounting better. Sure. If you're going after these big merchant accounts, you better be careful what you're promising them. And so what would be a really good idea is make sure you have a tool like ISOAMP, my little pitch there for our tool, but make sure you have a tool like that where we can actually tell you this is what the savings would be or would not be based on what, how much is debit, what's their average ticket, what's your pricing. All of that is, is taken into account. And then, of course, you have a nice proposal that you present that shows that to them.
1: Okay, so here's another topic I really wanted to pick your brain on. And it's something that you and I have spoken about in the past, but we have not more recently, you know, in recent months, at least. And that is um, interchange optimization. Sure. Sure. You know, and and I know that this is a, one of the more arcane things in our business. Right. Uh, and I, you know, and and it really is only. It seems only to apply to sort of those B two B type of transactions. You know, the level sure. two, level three data. But can you explain to me how does that fit in
0: to the whole sales process? Sure. sure. So you know, Patty, I'm glad you asked that because it, it to me it's a very interesting and, and again I mean it's hard to even verbalize the amount of time and thought that has gone into like creating a tool like ours because oh I remember when you were doing it <laughs> yes yeah, and, and I feel like we're still doing it in a lot of ways right it's you know we're we're improving it and things but you know you're always going to run into these core concepts with any technology any problem trying to solve in our industry one of the core concepts is what is the true cost of a transaction mm-hmm. right what should it really be right, and right so for us what we did is we took an approach where we said well the true cost is we have the interchange table right so when we have an interchange table if we don't have an interchange table our ai creates one from scratch that's statistically probable that's always all we've always done it but we look at the interchange table for that merchant and we say okay based on this interchange table for this merchant are there further opportunities to lower the cost of a transaction? And so I'm not going to bore our listeners today with all the details on what is interchange optimization, but suffice it to say, if you submit additional data with a transaction, especially a business-to-business transaction, mm-hmm. um, you can get a lower rate. This would right. also apply to things like downgrades, where mm-hmm. it needs to have different data submitted. So um, if you want more info on that, we actually have a great ebook I wrote together with um, Eric from PayTrace. So okay. I'll go ahead and tell you about that. Now, if you just head over to getisoamp.com, dot com, just scroll down a little bit and you'll see a um, right on the homepage uh, an image of our ebook of what is interchange optimization. Just click on it. You can download it for free. So if you want to know more about what that is, go for it. So let me give you a few numbers, though, and some interesting things. Interchange optimization on a merchant, it's going to save them usually 20 to 40 basis points on wow. all their B2B transactions. Mm -hmm. So for a business that does, you know, 75% B2B, um, you're going to save them maybe 20, 30 basis points on total volume. And again, generally speaking, these are merchants doing a million a month, 100,000 a month at least, you know, big merchant accounts. Um, I am seeing accounts. It, you know, I think if people in the industry, I would love. Yeah, obviously, we don't share any data with our of our clients' data. It's you know that's like rule number one in our business. Your right. data is your data, not ours. But it would be crazy if I could share some of the stuff. It's unbelievable, Patty. Like, I guarantee you, there is not there is not a day that goes by anymore that we don't see a one statement where the rep is going to make over a thousand dollars a month in residual on that statement. Really. Yeah. And the reason is because we're getting like everybody in the industry now uses us for optimization. It's just a no brainer. We, we have the tool, it's automated, sure. you know, and, you know, and, the, and we have the proposal templates that outline it really nicely. So you, you have this optimization stuff. Well, when you got a merchant that's doing $7 million a month, they're on interchange plus five basis points and five cents. Okay. Well, you know, that's that's a, that's a normal, that would probably be even be high pricing for a merchant of that size. And that's for like a standard card, right? Well, no, I'm saying interchange plus five basis points and five cents, meaning that's the pricing that they got. Okay, all together, gotcha. Right, so the idea is, how are you gonna save them money? Are you gonna take them from five basis points to three? Like, there's nothing there. Right, well, right. instead, these reps are sending us these uh, statements and we're showing them, a month in savings because we're taking their interchange and we're optimizing it. Mm -hmm. And we're saying, Hey, if you use a a gateway like a pay trace or some of these other gateways that do interchange optimization, guess what? You know, you could, you got an extra $4,000 in margin here. So what they're doing is they're taking the merchant to interchange plus five basis points or, you know, five cents and 15 basis points. They're Uh increasing the pricing
1: right? they're still
0: saving them three grand a month.
1: By just giving get just by capturing some additional information, right?
0: Exactly. And so they're saying, hey, if you use the gateway we have to run your transactions, we're going to collect a little bit of extra data. We're going to submit that through to the card brands and we're going to save you a bundle. Um, but again, going back to our tool, two problems with that. Number one, you want to do that on your own without technology, you're crazy. That is gonna take you hours and hours and hours to look up every interchange line item. Every statement type has a different name for different interchange items. It's mm-hmm. the same. Believe me, I know. We already solved it. It was ridiculous. Right. Um, you know, instead, you want AI that recognizes these names, matches them up to the interchange table, and all of that. And then the second problem is, do you think the merchant's going to just believe you if you go in there and say, well, I can save you $3,000 a month? They're going to yeah. say what? They're going to say, show me. Right. <laughs> so that's right. why you need a proposal template that is very detailed and shows line by line. Here's what you're currently paying for that interchange, and then here's what we would charge you um, because of the optimization, and here's what we would optimize it to. Like, all that data is necessary if you want to close one of these deals, in my opinion.
1: Well, you also just – you sort of alluded to my next question there, and and let me just throw this at you. Presentation. I mean, isn't that really the key? I mean, you know, you talked about putting that – you know, line by line comparison. I mean, I remember, like I said a few minutes ago, you know, friends telling me, you know, watching friends jotting down things on a paper napkin and handing it over to the barkeep, you know, like Here, right. this is, this I can- is how I, how much money I can save you. That's just not going to cut it these days. And it would seem to me that with the technology that's available and the expectations of businesses yeah. You have to be re- able to present something that not only is pleasantly pleasant to look at, you right. know, right. but is understandable
0: and actually points out where they're going to make their savings, right? Yeah. So, Patty, this is something that I am really passionate about, and I'm glad you brought it up because I really believe this is one of the things that sets us apart from others that are just kind of trying to get into this space now. After we've been in it for six years of statement mm-hmm. analysis and and all that, and one of the things that really sets us apart. I, right on the other side of the wall I'm at right now, um, we have another suite of offices over here. Um, right. in, one of the, in one of the offices, we have a graphic designer and a web developer that share an office, okay? See, I haven't been to your offices in a while. I didn't realize the there's like new people, huh? Yes, there's new people <laughs> right over there. Those, those people in that office, these are two full-time salary paid employees of our company. Uh huh. Okay. These are not outsourced. The only thing that they do is work on proposal templates for our clients. That's all they do. Nice. Okay. So we get people that say, well, James, I want to show interchange optimization savings, but I also want to show that I do this optimization through the, you know, TALIC tablet point of sale solution. So I want to cover page with that. And you know what I mean? And it's like, sure, sure. You know, the things that people individualized.
1: Every company has its own, has its own way of doing
0: things, its it's own own image that it wants to project. Right. Right. And so what, what our philosophy has been, and it's, it's really, you know, even just now, I feel like it's really starting to pay off for us is that what we've been doing is we work with these big clients and our, what we tell them is, look, if you want us to make something for you, we'll do it two ways. Okay you can pay us and we will make it just for you. Mm-hmm. Or if you bring us an idea, we will make it for you for free if you don't mind other people having access to a branded version of it for them, right? For their own private label. Their own private label version. It's not going to look like yours, you know, but it's like this same information presentation, you know? Mm-hmm. So we've been developing kind of this library of these proposal templates. Um, and it's so cool watching now as it's all coming together. And it's really neat because we've been able to customize the design so that each of our tenants has a, what we call a primary color Uh and they have their logos. And so we make our designs with that in mind so that anybody can just, their logo will pull in automatically from the system. And then their primary color is throughout the proposal, even with icons. And it's really neat. So, you know, we just finished making a suite of them uh, recently for Deja Vu. So we have, you know, mm-hmm. a special one for the Deja Vu Z9, Z11, Z8. Um, we're working on one right now for Zuza. You know, so different clients that sell different solutions, um, they'll come to us. And so it's like, what technology, what value do you want to promote? And mm-hmm. then what data do you want to present along with that? And then we put that all together. We make something really cool. And again, it's with us. It's always WebView. So you can right, email yeah. or text a link right from our system, email or text a link for the web view. Mm-hmm. And they can click on PDF. So if you want to download a PDF and email it or print it out, we have right, both right. the print view and the web view. And the web view, of course, is mobile responsive. So it looks good on oh, nice. as well. So yeah, that's an area where I feel like we've put, you know, a thousand hours more into that than any of our competitors, because ultimately it doesn't matter how much you're saving them and all of that. If, if the presentation is not good, it's you're not going to make the sale. It's got to look good
1: presentation is always, I mean, from everything, everything from eating to business, presentation is, is a big <laughs> deal. So I'm, I'm curious, you said that you, you know, you've been sort of developing this library. I'm I'm sure it's an ever expansive library. Can you give me,
0: what have you been at this for about a year now, two years? So ironically, we've actually been at this for about six years because before, so we rebranded as ISO amp. Once we had the AI portion, right. I'm talking about the, yeah,
1: the ISO amp brand, right. But
0: even, but even before that we had proposal templates because we were providing okay. the software where people did their own statement analysis. Gotcha. Okay. Now okay. we do it for you. So the idea mm-hmm. is now you, you can still use the old system if you want to do your own, but nobody does that. They just upload their statement and then our, you know, Know, AI and our team of experts does it for them. Um, but yeah, so we just combined them in there. I think our library right now is about 30 or 40 proposal templates in it. Okay. Um, it would be like customizable. We recently put them all into one system and we had about 300. Um <sighs> because each of those has variations, variations. For different tenants that, you know, or different clients that wanted, you know, different things. Sure. Sure. So so the odds are if there's something that you want in terms of the way you want to present something, the odds are we either have it or we can make it.
1: Very cool. James, this has been some really interesting stuff. We got into a lot of, a lot more detail than I yeah. even thought we would. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else that you think uh, people out there might want to know about? With respect, especially with respect to ISOAMP at this point. Sure.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll go ahead and give the, the little plug here at the end. So, um, if you'd like to, we actually have a new offer that I we put up for this podcast episode, Patty. So, okay. um, if you go to getisoamp.com, G-E-T-I-S-O-A-M-P.com, there's a little button right at the top. You can click and you can actually go and create a free account right now. It's a demo account. Oh, cool. and we'll We'll give you two statement analyses for free. Oh, nice. Nice. So you just log in, no card information required. Just create your free account, drop a couple statements in there. We'll do them for you for free. Um, And I think the other thing is, Patty, I don't know, maybe some of our listeners still don't know exactly what ISOAMP is. So, you know, everybody on our call, I think, knows what credit card processing statements are. Um, Grab your credit card processing statement, use an app on your phone if you want to scan the document or get it from the client. Um, But you put that into a PDF version of some kind um, Mm -hmm. and you go to our tool, um, you click on new quote, you put the name of the merchant in there and you drop whatever files you want. Um, we even handle, we, we get these all the time where people want to go convert from American Express third party to OptiBlue, you know, so okay. they'll attach an American Express statement and a regular processing statement, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can do multiple statements for different locations, you know, whatever it is, put whatever files you have that you need analyzed, drop them in there, click submit, and you're done. If you get them in by 2 p.m. Eastern uh, at the time of this recording, I guarantee you by the time of the next recording, this is going to be drastically less. But if you get them in by 2 p.m. Eastern, we do same-day turnaround. Um, Sweet. Average turnaround about an hour and a half, two hours. But, um, you know, we're we our goal is going to be to get that down dramatically. Um, new releases we have coming out are going to recognize all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, we just are finishing up now the Amex Out Blue Padding. Uh-huh. Um and the assessment padding. So right now we recognize it kind of like a manual process. Okay. That's all going to be automated. Um, So I'm excited. I love it. Uh, we're probably about 90 days away from, you know, doing the full automated version where it's totally instant. You drop the statement in 10 seconds later, you, you see the proposal we wanted ours to be, you know, I have a very, very high standard for accuracy and like transparency and like, sure. it has to be right. I'm not willing to sacrifice Accuracy at all. So right now we have human beings that still take a look at every one. So even if the AI does everything, you a human look it over. Takes a quick look, you know, for a minute. Mm-hmm. We have hundreds of validation messages and all that. So we're getting very close to a point where we'll be able to say, hey, as long as it passes all the validations and everything works, then it goes out. But the cool thing, Patty, is, you know, as of right now today and it's been this way all along, we analyze every statement. No exception. Every platform, every pricing. I don't care if it's a scan, if it's a crooked scan, if it's a beautiful PDF document, anything you got, we do it. So that allows ISOs, larger ISOs have been coming to us because they're outsourcing their statement analysis. They're getting access to tons of data from their competitors that they love. Um, and so it's it's really been a lot of fun uh, making it go. So again, check it out. Go to getisoamp.com, G-E-T-I-S-O-A-M-P.com, getisoamp.com, um, and check it out. Check it out. That's great, James. Thank you so much. Thank you, Patty. So, Patty, I'm really excited to talk about our sponsor, Valor Paytech, because guess what feature they just rolled out for cash discounting merchants? What's that? The ability to choose if you apply the non-cash adjustment before or after sales tax. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So I, I mean, reached out to him. What happened was, and it, it'll it'll sound like I planned this, but I really didn't. I actually got this question that I talk about in questions in the field. Mm-hmm. I typed up this big document and then I sent it to them and I said, hey. I want to get your opinion about this. You know, what do you think? And they, right. uh, Eric, sent me a, right back an email and said, "This is insane. We literally are rolling out right now this new feature where you can decide if you want to charge before or after sales tax." So, how cool is that? That's that is very cool, and I
1: really like the idea that it, it's the choice.
0: Yes. Right? I mean, yes.
1: there's a choice there, and <laughs> I, it just it it comes, it, you know. Considerably impresses me how forward-thinking yes. the folks at Valor have been um, as they've been rolling
0: this out and yeah. and, enha- and rolling out the enhancements. Well, and I think the cool thing is not only is it they've got this great platform from a technology perspective mm-hmm. that really is better than what anything else I know of that's out there for standalone terminal the having the omni-channel with the gateway integration, but they also have this cash discounting. Just ing- it's like a core fo- part of it, so you don't have right. to use that. But if you do cash discounting, my goodness, like it's insane. The it's way a it's no-brainer. Set up. It really. Yes, It really is. So, and yep. and
1: I really think it's interesting too, because like you said, it can't, it doesn't have to be cash discounting, but given the, 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 the market forces right now towards cash discounting, I mean.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's a great yeah. time. So head over to ccsalespro.com slash valor, V-A-L-O-R. Set up your free demo, check it out. Uh, if you uh, want to ask about the sales tax stuff, ask about that as well. Um, and I know you're going to love it.
2: This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14 day trial of our all access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field, with James Shepard. So,
0: Patty, today I have what might be the most complex topic I have tried to uh, convey in the questions from the field. Um, Okay. So, I'm talking about cash discounting and sales tax,
1: okay? Ooh, you know, I
0: I just saw something on that. I think it was probably one of your blog posts recently. Yes, probably. probably. So good news for those of you that are very confused by what I'm about to tell you, I will go ahead and tell you the link you can go to, to get uh, the free download of this information. So um, in what happened was I I actually got a question from an ISV about this and they were trying to figure out how to set this up. You know, do you charge the non-cash adjustment before the sales tax or after the sales tax? That was Mm -hmm. the gist of the question. And in typing up my response to this consulting client, uh, I realized that I should probably just edit this and Make it graphically pleasing and present it for free to the industry. So that's what I did. So if you go to ccsalespro dot com, slash sales tax so ccsalespro.com slash sales tax all lowercase just S-A-L-E-S-T-A-X sales tax um, you're going to come to a download page it's a really simple page we just threw it up today and you just put your email address in there is all you need and boom you got the document so um, but I'm going to go through and do my best to explain it in short order here and, and kind of explain the problem and, and some of the solutions because it's very very interesting so, so again Patty the, the question that we got was do you add the non-cash adjustment? And by the way, this is uh, goes for surcharging as well. Mm-hmm. Do we add the service fee or non-cash adjustment or whatever it's called? Do we add it before sales tax is calculated or after sales tax is calculated? So I'm going to give you some clarifying statements before we dive into this because it is a lot more complicated than you might think. Number one, the merchant must pay sales tax on the total sales revenue collected, including any revenue collected from a non-cash adjustment. Okay. So the first thing you have to understand is the merchant, whether they charge sales tax on it or not, they are going to have to pay to the state sales tax on the entire transaction. And with cash discounting, we're saying we're raising the regular price, right, with this mm-hmm. non-cash adjustment. So that means it's revenue, and they're going to have to pay sales tax on it. So whether you have them collected or not, they're going to be paying sales tax on it. Number two... There is no particular law concerning the proper collection of sales tax that I'm aware of that makes either of these approaches non-compliant. So in other words, it's up to the merchant to make sure that they're collecting the right amount of sales tax, but ultimately the only thing they would get in trouble for is not paying the right amount of sales tax. So they have to make sure that whatever sales revenue there was, if it's at 6%, you know, sales tax, they got to take the total revenue from their sales. Multiply it by 6%, and that's what's going to go to the government um, as far as their sales tax, right? Okay. So we have to make sure they can calculate it correctly, but it's not like they have to collect it in a certain order or anything like that. So the bottom line is, with this particular issue, do we charge the non-cash adjustment before or after sales tax? There isn't. It's important that, at least in my, my opinion, I'm not a tax attorney or anything like that, but... In my personal opinion, there is no right or wrong way in terms of compliance or legal issues that I am personally aware of. So you can charge your non-cash just maybe sales tax or after, and it doesn't really matter from that perspective. So then the question becomes, you know... What's the right thing to do? What's the, what's the thing that's going to be most easily understood by the merchant? What's going to be easiest for them? What's going to be most profitable? So those are the questions we're really a- answering here. So number four on my list of clarifying statements, credit card processing fees are going to be charged on the entire amount of the transaction. Right. Which is going to include the sales tax collected and, by the way, the non-cash adjustments. Okay, so okay. whatever this total transaction. So let me get, start giving an example here to make it a little more clear. We have a $10 transaction. Uh-huh. We're doing a 4% non-cash adjustment. Okay? okay, so if we charge that 4% non-cash adjustment, that's going to take us to $10.40. Mm-hmm. Right, then let's say they're at 6% sales tax. Now we're going to charge six percent sales sales tax on ten dollars and forty cents. So our total transaction is going to be eleven dollars and two cents in this example. Okay? okay, the credit card processing fees that the merchant is going to pay is going to be on the eleven dollars and two cents because that's what they processed. That was the total amount of the transaction. It doesn't matter that part of it came from a non cash adjustment. Part of it came from sales tax revenue. They're going to be paying non cash adjustment on everything. Okay. So finally, and lastly, my number five clarifying statement here is. The daily discount, so if you're using the daily discount method, which is what most cash discount uh, companies do, if you're using daily discount to collect the money, um, remember that that is also calculated on the total transaction amount, including the sales tax and the non-cash adjustment. So if I say I'm going to keep 4% of the money that was processed and hold it until the end of the month, just remember that's going to be on the entire amount of the transaction as well, okay? Right, right. So now that we understand that part of it, and we have some idea. Now we have to understand how do we pull these levers in order to make it the right thing for the merchant. And so Mm -hmm. rather than dive into like a really detailed thing here, I'm just going to cut to the chase and give you the answer. And then I'm going to encourage you to go to ccsalespro.com slash sales tax to see the details and the examples. Okay. So here's the bottom line. What I believe you should do is if you have a small merchant account, okay, I personally think that the only thing that really matters there is to make sure that your non-cash adjustments, your flat rate that you're charging the merchant, and your daily discount are all the same percentage. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care if you do it before or after sales tax. Okay. Right. Why? Because a small merchant is not even going to notice this stuff. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot easier to explain to the merchant to say, yeah, we have a 4%, we're adding a 4% non-cash you know, non-cash adjustment, we're charging you 4% flat rate, And we're collecting 4% every day out of what you do. Okay? That's the easiest thing to say. But what does it actually mean is happening behind the scenes? Well, it's a lot more complicated than you might think. A couple things are happening behind the scenes there if you do it that way. Number one, if you do the non-cash adjustment after the sales tax, the merchant's Uh not collecting enough sales tax. Right. Because they're going to have to pay sales tax on the non-cash adjustment revenue. So if you're calculating it after they've already calculated sales tax... They are not collecting enough tax revenue. Is that going to be a big problem? No. If they're a small merchant, they're going to still pay the right amount of sales tax. They just didn't actually collect enough to offset. Okay. Another problem, they're actually not collecting enough to offset the credit card processing fees either. Okay. You are because you're doing a 4% daily discount, right. but they're, they're charging 4% on the transaction. And so the merchant's going to have to pay the 4% flat rate on the non cash adjustment revenue and on the sales tax revenue. Like, so you're really not collecting enough processing fees either. So the merchant's actually not saving all. They're not really 100% saving. What they're actually <laughs> doing is saving probably 90, 95%. Okay. Again, right. is that a big problem? No, it's a small merchant. They're really not going to care. Okay. But. What about the big merchants? And this is the main reason I wanted to answer this question, Patty, because one common theme I'm starting to hear is that large merchants are actually becoming very receptive to these ideas of, of non-cash adjustment, you know, cash discounting, surcharging, but the industry doesn't seem to know what they're doing when it comes to sales tax. Mm-hmm. And as a result, these businesses are not signing up, or if they do, they're signing up and saying, this is stupid and they're canceling because it's, it's just not well thought out.
1: Right. The company treasures like sounding alarms, like, hey, something's amiss here. None of none of this
0: is reconciling what is the deal. Okay. So let me tell you exactly what to do. If you want to sell a large merchant on cash discounting I haven't heard anybody in the industry explain this yet. And again, I'm going to explain it here. You may or may not understand what I'm talking about. Download the the document and read it 14 or 15 times and you might. Um, It's because it's complicated. This is the bottom line. And again, anything you're trying to do to be really successful is probably going to be hard for people to understand because that's that's why it's an opportunity. So to do it right, here's what you got to do. Number one, you need to make sure that you are charging the sales tax after the non-cash adjustments. Okay, very important. Sales okay. tax needs to be charged on the entire transaction, including the non-cash adjustment or service fee or surcharge or whatever. Right. Why? Because then they actually are collecting the right amount of sales tax. Right. Okay. Very important. And again, on a smaller merchant, who cares? Bigger merchant, they are going to care. Believe me. Because at the end of the, t- at the end of the quarter, they're going to see that they collected, you know, $10,000 less than they should have. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, sales tax after the non-cash adjustment, okay? Then what you're going to do secondly is you're going to have whatever this fee is that you're charging the consumer, you know, 4%, let's say, to make the math easy, that is not going to be the fee that you're charging the merchant, and that is also not going to be the the daily discount percentage. So we want to make sure our daily discount and our flat rate, in other words, the credit card processing fees that we're charging the merchant, we always want to make sure that that is the same as the daily discount. Because mm-hmm. we want to collect the same percentage as we're charging, okay? Right. But those are not going to match with the consumer service fee. Why? Because if you do that, you're, the merchant is actually not collecting enough from the consumers to offset. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the example that I used here, and I'll just kind of, uh, I'll just kind of give it to you real quick. So we have a ten dollar transaction. We charged a four percent service fee or non cash adjustment. So mm-hmm. we charged forty cents to the consumer. Mm -hmm. All right. Then we have a $10 and 40 cent transaction. We're now going to add our 6% sales tax. Right. Okay. So now we've collected the right amount of sales tax, 62 cents, which is 6% of the total transaction. Our total transaction now with sales tax is $11 and two cents. Well, now we need to make sure that we collect 40 cents from the merchant because that's what they collected from the consumer. And then we need to make sure we charge the merchant $0.40 because that's what they collected from the consumer. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the actual flat rate that you would charge the merchant would be 3.63%. And the daily discount would be 3.63%. Now, again, this is less profitable, right? Because we just lost 37 basis points of margin. So a lot of agents are like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to lose money. Well, yeah, but what you understand is I'm saying with a large merchant, you're going to be making a fortune anyway. And they're not going to stick with you unless these numbers all match up. Right. Right? So the idea is that 3.63%, that is not a number that you could use on every merchant. That is dependent on the state that the merchant is in and mm-hmm. the percentage that you're charging the consumer. So again, it's not easy. It's complicated. But you need to make sure if you want everything to match up. The cool thing is, the example I just gave you, they, they collected the right amount of sales tax. They charged them, the consumer 40 cents. We collected $0.40 in a daily discount, and we charged the merchant $0.40 in processing fees. Everything matched up, everything reconciled, and they got the right amount of sales tax. So big takeaway, it can be done. It's a little complicated, but it can be done if you understand it. And if you want to sell large merchant accounts, they're going to expect that all of these things are going to reconcile.
1: And at this point, James, I'm going to recommend that our listeners
0: rewind... Yes, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and go through that again. Yes. Or, and Better or yet. <laughs> yeah, better yet, get the book because or it's not even a book. It's probably four pages, but it does give you like actual line by line examples so you can see this in action. That's so, what again, you, I mean, yeah, to, yes. to see it. I would. You this know, is I think a tough one to better. talk about in audio. Yeah. So, again, com slash sales tax, all lowercase, all one word, com slash sales tax. Go download it, check it out. Um, I think it'll be very
2: informative. Thanks, James. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com
1: okay everybody so uh, jd power has released results of its 2021 small business merchant services satisfaction survey okay um and the results i'd have to say are less than encouraging for for the leading companies out there um the double whammy of the covid t- pandemic and shifting brand names and alliances uh contributed to lower satisfaction among businesses um in particular i you know i think what I'm talking about here in terms of the uh, shifting brand names is, you know, first data became Fiserv, the FIS uh, WorldPay, and the Global Thesis combination. And as we all know, combinations always have a way of kind of upsetting the, the Apple card, at least short term. Yes. yes. Um, merchant grousing was most pronounced with customer service costs and underwriting and onboarding particularly among businesses that saw declines in, um, in revenues last year. And about 51% of those survey said they saw significant revenue declines last year. Um, so that's a pretty, you know, yeah. health, about half of them had, you know, about half of them saw revenues decline. And and among those, they were the most dissatisfied. Um, I would imagine. Paul McCatton. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I said I would imagine. Oh. Yeah, right? I mean, it stands a reason. So Paul McAdam is the um, Senior Director of Banking and Payments Intelligence at J.D. Power. And he said that tech innovations in recent years have made it easier than ever for businesses to accept card-based and digital payments, which, of course, we know. But he added, quote, achieving real lasting customer satisfaction is much, as much about service levels as it is technology. Um, oh. And he added that many of the challenges to be and financial pressures small businesses faced in 2020 are going to continue into the foreseeable future and that merchant services providers need to be able to uh, tailor customer facing strategies that address those needs. Yeah. Now, now for some of the detail and this really, I have to admit, really kind of shocked me. Square and PayPal outranked all the big bank-affiliated merchant services companies in terms of overall cu- customer satisfaction. Mm. Just despite some of the grouching I personally have heard from people who use those services. I don't know about you, but, you know, with the price increases and—, and Well, and I, think, and I
0: think it just goes to show how low the bar is. You know, Square—you right? know, people like Square. Merchants like Square because they don't rip them off and they're flat rate yeah. and simple pricing. What and they, they provide see is technology. what they get. Right, but, right. I mean, it's not— Yeah, I mean, people that actually need help from Square never get it or very rarely get it in any good way. But I think the idea is people are, you know, merchants are just happy that they're not getting screwed.
1: (laughs) Right, right. So uh, B of A merchant services and PNC merchant services were tied for third place, followed by Chase, Stripe, and Elevon. And all seven of those outdid the uh, overall industry average satisfaction rank. First Data, which, of course, is now FISERV, was way down on the list, coming in number 12 among the top 13 rankings. <laughs> Om- only WorldPay, which, of course, now is FIS. part of FIS, ranked lower than First Data. Wow. Um, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. And and among all of the merchant services providers, Elev- only Elevon saw its individual ranking improve. It went up about 38 points higher than last year, tying with the industry average. Hmm. Now the J.D. Power Merchant Services Satisfaction Survey was fielded last fall um, and included over 3,200 small business customers of merchant services companies, and the uh, rankings were scaled, were scored on a scale of uh, one to a okay. thousand, with a thousand being the best. Right. The industry average was 836. Which the company said was down slightly from the year before. Hmm. Now um, I'm surprised
0: it's that high. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: I mean, I and some of them, believe me, some of them were you know significantly below. But right, right. Um, now this was the second year J.D. Power did this survey, this customer satisfaction survey, and the latest published results don't track really easily with the results from the year prior previously. But there are a few. Um, items reported from you know that server that I wanted to share, the one from 2019. Okay. And at that time, overall satisfaction with bank-owned emergent services acquirers was 863. Okay. So that's up sure. You know, compared to 836. Um first data uh joint ventures like PNC and Wells averaged 847, still okay. above what is now yes. the Highest. Average. And sure. I will tell you that, for example, I'm going to look real quick here. Uh, let's see. Wells was 833. And that's one of the partnerships. Sure. And um, what is another? Oh, PNC was 849, which uh, was a little sure. bit above.
0: Sure.
1: Um, those well. are just the two that I that I quickly pulled out. Um so um, fintechs in in 2019 came in at at an average score of 843 out of a thousand. Really? Yeah, I was very surprised. Well, I find that at very that.
0: surprising. Yeah.
1: Well, and especially because I mean, I kind of think of Square and PayPal as fintechs, right? And now, so it's sure. almost like a
0: flip. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Yeah, you would think that the fintechs would. And and, and, I mean, it's interesting. I I would love to see the questions that they asked, but I would imagine that these questions were geared more towards payments specifically. Yes. Um, Maybe that goes to show that the fintech companies need to spend a little more time thinking about payments. The payments, And maybe a little less. So maybe these people are very satisfied with the technology, but maybe they saw their rate go up. Maybe they had issues with chargebacks or more complex payments issues that the fintech companies didn't know how to deal with.
1: And I think that's part of, you know, part of it too. I agree. Because uh, McMad- McAdams said that much of the decline in satisfaction was being driven, was driven this year by small and micro merchants that came under, you know, intense financial strain, you know, from plummeting sales related to COVID. Right, right. And that pressure made them more likely to reach out to the merchant services providers for service requests, like fee accommodations, and to resolve problems. Right. You know, and frankly, as as you and I have discussed a lot in the t- in the past, these types of calls and how providers respond to them um, can be moments of truth absolutely. in a merchant relationship. You yeah, know, absolutely. Um, so, in the uh, newest JD Power survey, customer satisfaction was highest among e-commerce merchants. The overall satisfaction rate was eight fifty one. Mm which surpassed the industry
0: average by about 15 points. But you know, the interesting thing about these numbers to me is that there's very little variance. I mean, no 850 yeah. versus eight thirty seven. I mean, exactly. it's not like, I mean, you know, it's and not it's, like nothing's up is, in 900, nothing's, you know, down at yeah, 700. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. I would have thought, I would have thought the industry as a whole, if you had asked me to guess before you told me the numbers, I would have mm-hmm. said industry as a whole 700 yeah. and you know, Span anywhere from three hundred to nine hundred and fifty for the for the ISVs, you know. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah, crazy. It's a lot less, you know. Merchants don't seem to be quite as uh, interested in these things as we think they are.
1: <laughs> well, that's it. I think you know. I think they're not interested in them until like you know something comes and smacks them in the head, like a bunch of right. chargebacks, right? Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know. Then it's like suddenly, oh. oh, I have to care about this. Yeah. And uh, The other thing that I thought was interesting is that they said brick and mortar merchants. Uh, showed greater satisfaction than their card not present counterparts in the areas of timeliness of res- of resolving service requests, okay, and the clarity of pricing and fees.
0: Yeah, yeah, which which is interesting because uh, obviously the clarity is there, but the amount of margin is actually high. They're actually paying more, and again, right. I think that just goes to show that merchants value simplicity when it comes to payments, you know, pricing yeah. technology and, you know, all areas really.
1: Which kind of goes to, you know, what you and I were talking about in the main segment, you know, in terms of yes. uh, you know, uh,
0: clarity and simplicity in pricing and why cash discounting, you know, right. and things like well, that. And are. I think it's because of things like padding that we talked about mm-hmm. where merchants have been dealing with that kind of crap for so many years. I think a lot of times they're, they're like, well, you know, maybe this isn't the best rate, but at least I know what it is. So I like square, you know, right. Um, and I, I think they're, I think that's, that's something that, you know, and so again, it's a tough, it's a tough one for our industry because we don't want to make the pricing so simplistic that it's so easy to have that race at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, we got to understand the complexity and the lack of transparency is something that merchants clearly don't like. Right. Um, but if you ask me, I think most executives in the industry that hear the numbers you just gave Patty are going to say, who cares? Square square is at what square at eight ninety or eight eighty or you know yeah what was square at I'll tell you hold on a second ah uh, eight sixty So deal. they're at eight sixty we're at eight thirty seven <laughs> yeah you know and we're making way more money than they are forget them yeah. <laughs> look how long they lost money too exactly you no know? <laughs> you know, so I you know I think that's uh, I think it's I think the 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 big takeaway for me from all this data is just wow it's it's surprisingly similar. It's
1: surprisingly similar, but it does show that, you know, there is definitely a need for, you know, on the part of traditional merchant services companies, you know, for greater transparency and price simplicity.
0: Yeah. And and I think and I think it also and, goes and, and customer service. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But I think it also goes to show that um there's still such a huge I think it's so interesting. Like so many things are going on in my head right now. I didn't know about these numbers until you told me, but right. it's like I'm I'm understanding why. You know, payment processing accounts are so valuable because, you know, even as terrible as the service is in a lot of areas in our, in our industry, you know, ultimately, once you sign somebody up to process payments, you know, the yeah. bar is so low. You know, you just don't, you know, if you have a, you know, I came from my, my last big career was in, you know, lawn, the lawn care industry with Service Master True Green Division.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, if people have a lot of dandelions in their yard or weeds, you know, they're going to cancel. You know, and that's going to happen. Like to every like, if you're not on the ball, your clients are going to cancel. And in this industry, it almost seems like it's the opposite. It just seems like you know you got to be there when they need you. But I think the expectations in this industry are just so low that a company like Square can come in with very very little service, but just a slight extra simplicity in the way of pricing, and they can they can have a foothold. So I think it just goes to show, you know, this is an amazing industry. You get out there and sell, and your accounts are going to stick with you most likely, and you're going to make a lot of money. And tons of money to be made. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Love it, Patty. Great info this week. Thanks. This episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast was brought to you by Valor Paytech, the technology company that is revolutionizing cash discounting and surcharging with innovative features like dual mid support, waive the fee options, and even adding non-cash adjustment charges to tips. Now all of this is made possible by a variety of technology devices and solutions such as gateways, tabletop point of sale devices, and features like SMS text messaging and e-invoicing all with cash discounting in mind. Valor PayTech, bold ideas, smart execution. Make sure you head over to ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R, ccsalespro.com slash valor v-a-l-o-r schedule your free demo today and watch videos and learn more about this amazing technology solution
2: thank you for listening to the merchant sales podcast whether you are an industry veteran processing executive or just trying to learn about the payment space we appreciate your time the merchant sales podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.